You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mitch, these guys know sports. West guys. These guys know sports. West guys. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. It's Tuesday, November the 8th. In the house with your boy, Trey Larkins. Come on in and stay a while, folks. I got an action, jam-packed show. It's my NFL Week 9 recap. We're going to recap the Rams-Buccaneers matchup. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers outlasted Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams 16-13. Also, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs beat the Tennessee Titans in an AFC championship rematch of 2019 also later in the show it's going i'm going to do my wiser last segment of the day on the wise guys sports show so i got an action jam-packed show also man i want to i want to give a big shout out to to my man wallow and gilly they were in town in cincy over the weekend if you follow me on social media you saw i posted a picture man it, it was great being able to meet wallow and gilly and, and being able to listen to some million dollars worth of game live in person from wallow and gilly so that was a great experience from those guys man and 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 they, they really taught me a lot in an hour or two hours of their time so great 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 time spending with them but it was a great weekend of sports the houston astros beat the philadelphia phillies in the world series so dusty baker won his first world series so shout out to dusty baker winning his first World Series as a manager. What a major, major accomplishment for Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros. Hey, the Phillies, they have a lot of talent. Bryce Harper is a talented young baseball player. So the Phillies will be back, but it was the Astros' time, and they and they came through. But, again, it's going to be a great show. My Week 9 wise picks record this week was 9-3. and three. So not really impressive compared to what it's been in previous weeks. But, you know, I always, for the most part, have a high percentage in my games that I pick. So, you know, definitely happy about the 9-3 and three record, but it can be better. 12 games, I, I expect to go 11-1. and one. I expect to go 11-1 and one in my wise picks. I mostly always get them wrong. But one of the games that I got wrong is in the NFC North as we begin – with the Detroit Lions beating the Green Bay Packers 15-9 to in this game. Aaron Rodgers, he went 23-43. of He threw for 291 passing yards, one touchdown, three interceptions for the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff, he went 14-27, of 137 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. couple key notes, the Packers, they dropped their fifth straight game. For the first time since 2008, this is Aaron Rodgers' 13th straight game with less than 300 passing yards. That's the longest streak of his career. And this is Aaron Rodgers' first game of career with multiple interceptions in the red zone. This is his fifth career game with three interceptions and first since 2017. And 
He got seven interceptions on a season. That is the most in a single season since 2016. So a couple notes about Aaron Rodgers. So as we begin the show tonight and I discuss the Detroit Lions win over the Green Bay Packers, I want to be very, very clear about where I stand with the Packers. I am disgusted with Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers. I want to start off with Aaron Rodgers because my man Lil Wayne, he tweeted after the game because he was disgusted just as much as I was. Lil Wayne, after the game, this is him on Twitter. Lil Wayne says, RIP to the season. We should have gotten rid of 12 before the season. That was my feelings in the immediate aftermath of the Packers' loss as well because in the first eight games of the season, I can understand why fans blame the receivers. They don't have a true number one receiver in Green Bay once they traded Devontae Adams away to Las Vegas. You got Romeo Dobbs, a rookie receiver. You got Christian Watson, a receiver who can't stay on the field. You got Randall Cobb, a receiver who is past his prime and Father Time has caught up with Randall Cobb. You got Alan Lazard, but Alan Lazard is not a true number one receiver. If Alan Lazard was on the Cincinnati Bengals, he would probably be the fourth receiver on the depth chart. If he was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he would probably be the fourth receiver on the depth chart. In the first eight games of the season, I blamed the receivers for the shortcomings for the Green Bay Packers. After watching this performance from Aaron Rodgers, he should be ashamed to show his face in the city of Green Bay this week. Aaron Rodgers was pathetic in this week nine performance against the Detroit Lions. He threw three interceptions, two interceptions in the red zone. Two interceptions in the red zone when the Packers were in a position to score points and Mr. Aaron Rodgers threw costly interceptions. This is the same Aaron Rodgers who's had excuse after excuse after excuse after Packer losses. Let's go back to the loss to the New York Giants in week five, shall we? This is Aaron Rodgers after the loss to the Giants in London. Aaron Rodgers says he was responding to all-pro cornerback Jair Alexander. Aaron Rodgers said, we don't need to be talking like that. Jair Alexander has said if the Packers lose to the Jets the following week, he's going to be concerned. Aaron Rodgers' response, we don't need to be talking like that. That was after the loss and the collapse against the Giants in London. Let's fast forward to week six, Jets at Lambeau. Jets blow out the Packers, 27-10. to This is Aaron Rodgers after that loss. Aaron Rodgers says Packers need to simplify some things on offense. Simplify. That was, was Aaron Rodgers' comments in the immediate aftermath of the Packers' beatdown that took place at Lambeau Field, courtesy of the New York Jets. Let's transition to week seven. This is the game after they lost to the Commanders. This is Aaron Rodgers. Packers make two mistakes. Those guys shouldn't be playing. We got to cut reps. That was Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. After the commander's loss, that was in week seven. And then in week eight, after the Packers lost to the Buffalo Bills, 27 to 17, Aaron Rodgers says, we just need to win one game. Nobody's going to feel sorry for us. That was Aaron Rodgers after that game. And now after this game, 
Fifth straight loss for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers says that the Packers need to dig deep. So let me be very, very clear about Aaron Rodgers and how I feel about where he's at right now. Aaron Rodgers, for his career, he got 463 touchdown passes, only 100 interceptions. He got 57,451 passing yards. He's a four-time NFL MVP, back-to-back NFL MVP. He won Super Bowl, and he won a Super Bowl MVP. He's a 10-time Pro Bowl quarterback. But Aaron Rodgers was the reason why the Green Bay Packers lost 15-9 to to the Detroit Lions. I've been hearing all season long about the receivers, about how other people in the Packers organization have to perform better, and this loss was on the shoulders of 12. Then there's people talking about today how the Packers are currently 3-6. and six. If they continue to lose games, at some point they're going to be mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. There are people that's talking about the possibility of the Packers benching Aaron Rodgers and bringing in Jordan Love. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Mr. Rodgers, the $150 million man getting paid $50 million this season to put on that garbage performance. You don't get to run. You don't get to go to the bench and hide. You've got to deal with what's going on right now and the Packers' struggles. Matt LaFleur and the Packers organization, if they decided to bench Aaron Rodgers and see what Jordan Love can do, I believe it would be an out for Aaron Rodgers and kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like you get it, you're getting out of jail because you're not able to stay in the fight. You're getting paid $50 million a year, Aaron. you got to figure this out. All the money that Aaron Rodgers is getting paid, he is supposed to be able to overcome the deficiencies of the Green Bay Packers. And again, in this performance, Aaron Rodgers was complete garbage. Three interceptions? Two interceptions in the red zone? I have never seen Aaron Rodgers look as bad as he looked Sunday afternoon in Detroit. It was a pathetic performance from Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to hear nothing about the rookie receivers. I don't want to hear nothing about the Packers organization. This loss was on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. And don't forget, it's the same Aaron Rodgers in previous years was indecisive, didn't know if he wanted to return back to Green Bay, didn't know if he still wanted to play in the NFL. He's the reason why Devontae Adams departed Green Bay and chose to go to Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr because Aaron Rodgers is so damn indecisive. So I don't want to hear nothing about Aaron Rodgers and these excuses that he continues to make game after game after game. You got to eat this one, bro. You got to perform all season long, even if the Packers are out of playoff contention. Because you are a part of the reason why the Packers are three and six. You are a part of the reason why Devontae Adams is playing for the Raiders and not the Packers. You can't allow your number one star receiver to walk out of that door thinking you're going to be able to overcome his departure. But you know what it is? 
The reason why Aaron Rodgers allowed Devontae Adams to leave Green Bay for Las Vegas is because Aaron Rodgers is arrogant. Aaron Rodgers believes I'm Aaron freaking Rodgers. I can figure it out on my own, and I'll get the credit if we are able to win football games. Well, guess what, Aaron? You're figuring out with the rest of us that you need a reliable receiver to throw the ball to in your offense if you want to be successful. So this loss is on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. The defense, they showed up. They held the Lions to only 15 points. Jared Goff didn't even have 150 passing yards. This loss was on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. And I, and I want to hear some accountability in his press conferences this week. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Coming out the break, we're going to talk about the Buccaneers win over the L.A. Rams. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wise Guys. Wise Guys. Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. These guys know sports. These guys know. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the World Wide Sports Network. Everybody, remember go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Also, by the way, you can also go and vote for the Wise Guys question of the day for tonight's show. The question of the day for the show tonight is, do you have any issues with the Indianapolis Colts hiring Jeff Saturday? That is the Wise Guys poll question for the night. Give me your thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts and their Hiring of Jeff Saturday. But real quick, before we transition to the next topic, this Aaron Rodgers conversation and my issues with Aaron Rodgers right now, because, again, I, I've, been a, I've been a defender of Aaron Rodgers for the last few years. Even when his shortcomings in the playoffs, I've always defended Aaron Rodgers and always said that Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great. And, again, his numbers – Back it up. I mean, he got 463 touchdowns, 100 interceptions, 57,451 passing yards. The man's completed over 65% of his passes. He's a Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, four-time NFL MVP, 10-time Pro Bowl quarterback. He is an all-time great player. But at this moment, it's the it's a, it's a start for me to questioning his leadership. I got to start questioning his leadership because I've been hearing for so many years about how Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes are better leaders than Aaron Rodgers is. And I've always defended Aaron because of his talent and because of the organization's inability to go out and sign marquee free agents 
and make trades at the trading deadline to improve the Packers roster. So I've always defended Aaron because of his talent and because of the Packers organization being conservative and not being aggressive like other organizations who've won Super Bowls. We've seen the L.A. Rams last year. They brought on Von Miller. They brought on Odell Beckham. The Buccaneers two years ago, they brought in Rob Gronkowski with Tom Brady. They brought in Antonio Brown. We've seen other organizations be aggressive to improve their football team. That's not the Green Bay Packers. So I've always defended Aaron because of the organization's conservative tactics and their philosophy being so conservative. I've always defended the organization. But again, I can't defend Aaron Rodgers if he's throwing three interceptions in a game, especially when Aaron has called out other players on this team. Talked about how players have to get reps cut back. Talked about how Matt LaFleur needs to simplify the offense. But yet, when you get into the red zone, you threw two interceptions against the Detroit Lions. Coming into this matchup, the Detroit Lions were on pace to give up the most points defensively in NFL history. And Aaron Rodgers couldn't even score 10 points against that Detroit Lions defense. That was a pathetic performance from Aaron Rodgers. And he should be ashamed to show his face in the city of Green Bay this week. I've defended this man in the first eight games of the season. I said that the Packers skill position players were terrible. I said Matt LaFleur needs to make some adjustments from a coaching perspective. I said Brian Gutekus, Russ Ball need to go out and try and trade for a receiver like DJ Moore, like Chase Claypool, like Jerry Judy. But I could not defend this performance from Aaron Rodgers. He was terrible. And this loss was on Aaron Rodgers. I want to be very, very clear about that because people always say I like to defend Aaron. No, Aaron was pathetic in this game. He was terrible. And again, I don't want to hear no more talk about him being benched. You got to ride this one out. You wanted to take all the money and not make sacrifices for your team to improve the roster so they can go out and sign marquee free agents. You have to take the blame when the team loses. You get all the credit when the Packers win. You have to take the blame when the team loses games. Also, in press conferences, you're the same player who addresses other players as they or them, not us or we. So you damn sure better take this blame when you throw three interceptions and can't even score 10 points against the worst defense in the NFL. I think he had his interview earlier today on the Pat McAfee show. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm damn sure going to watch that interview and see if Aaron took some accountability for his week nine performance against the worst defense in the NFL. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to another game. Sunday afternoon, it was in Tampa. It was Matthew Stafford versus Tom Brady. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the L.A. Rams 16-13 to on a late game-winning drive by Tom Brady for the Rams. Matthew Stafford, he went 13-27. of 27. 
He had a 165 passing yards, one touchdown. Cooper Cup had eight receptions, 127 receiving yards, one touchdown. For the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, he went 36 of 58, threw for 280 passing yards, one touchdown. So everyone's talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They finally win a meaningful football game. They snapped a losing streak. They had lost three games in a row. So that was the longest losing streak that Tom Brady had been on in his career. And they are now at the top of the NFC South standing. So now everyone's talking about, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers contenders in the NFC? I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are contenders in the NFC. But this performance doesn't give me confidence that they are contenders in the NFC. And let me explain why. The LA Rams are garbage. I'm going to say it again. The defending Super Bowl champion LA Rams are a garbage football team. They literally handed Tom Brady this game. Offensively for the LA Rams. They had 68 total rushing yards, only 138 passing yards on the afternoon. They had three three and outs in the fourth quarter. They didn't pick up one first down in the fourth quarter. The only reliable weapon that the LA Rams have offensively is Cooper Cup. That's it. They have no running game to speak of. Dale Henderson, he had 12 carries for 56 rushing yards, one touchdown. Kale Makers had five carries for three yards. They have no running game whatsoever. The Rams' offensive line is terrible. They are terrible. The Buccaneers defensively, they sacked Matthew Stafford four times. Coming into this game, Matthew Stafford was the fourth most sacked quarterback in the NFL. I believe only Justin Fields and Joe Burrow were sacked more than Matthew Stafford. So that Rams offensive line is terrible. The Rams' entire offense is terrible. And their rushing attack is one of the worst in the NFL. Neither one of these teams can run the football. I'm going to get to the Buccaneers in a minute. But neither one of these teams can run the football. The Rams are a one-dimensional football team. And I said it last week. I don't believe Matthew Stafford is good enough to be the type of quarterback who you can rely on to throw over 50 times and expect to win a game. We saw Patrick Mahomes throw for 68 pass attempts in their win against the Titans. We saw Tom Brady have 58 pass attempts in this game. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, they are on another level that Matthew Stafford has never reached at any point in his career. I know he won a Super Bowl last year. I know he had a great game-winning drive last year in the Super Bowl. And Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback in the NFL. He's not great, but he's good. But he's not Tom Brady good. He's not Patrick Mahomes good. He's not Aaron Rodgers in his prime good. He's not Drew Brees in his prime. That's not who Matthew Stafford is. So 
You need a reliable rushing attack if you want to be successful in this Rams offense. Now let's talk about the Buccaneers. I wasn't impressed with the Buccaneers' performance in this game. The last drive, I thought the Rams literally gave the Buccaneers too much space and their receivers were able to be on the line of scrimmage and basically run 10 yards down the field and turn around and Tom Brady delivered them the football. On that last possession, the Rams defenders were like five, eight yards off of the Buccaneers receivers. I don't understand why the Rams defensively play a prevent defense. You have to still attack Tom Brady and put pressure on that struggling Buccaneers offensive line. I expected Aaron Donald to make a play on the last drive of the game for the L.A. Rams. It didn't happen. In fact, Vita Vea, he outplayed Aaron Donald. So I thought the Rams' defense gave the Buccaneers this football game, and they helped Tom Brady on his game-winning drive. There was very little resistance from the L.A. Rams' defensive backs. And so in the immediate aftermath of the game, Jalen Ramsey, he criticized the Rams' offense. I understand his frustration because going into the fourth quarter, the Rams' defense had held Tom Brady in the Buccaneers' offense to only six points. But guess what, Jalen Ramsey? Your offense gave your defense a chance to win the game when you were up 13 to 9. So I understand his frustrations with the offense and their inability to put points on the scoreboard. But defensively, you were in a position to win the game, Jalen. You would have more credibility had your defense came up with a stop against Tom Brady. You could have spoke out against that Rams pathetic offense. So, again, Tom Brady had a terrific game-winning drive, but take it with a grain of salt because that L.A. Rams defense literally assisted Tom Brady on that game-winning drive. I give Tom Brady credit because the Buccaneers have been struggling and they've been on a three-game losing streak. And for whatever reason, Mike Evans, he doesn't know how to catch the ball anymore. I don't know what the hell is going on with him. Chris Godwin, he can't create separation like he once could. Julio Jones is out of his prime. His best days are behind him. So I give Tom Brady credit for willing his football team to victory and improving to four and five on the season. And now they are at the top of the NFC South standings. And when we talk about whether or not the Buccaneers are contenders in the NFC, some of these quarterbacks that Tom Brady would have to face in the playoffs if the Buccaneers make it are not very good. And they're not proven, especially in Jalen Hurts' case. Jalen Hurts is good, but Jalen Hurts isn't proven in the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not very good, but he has playoff experience. Kirk Cousins, he folds in primetime games. These are some of the teams 
that the Buccaneers would face if they made the postseason. The Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, he has one playoff win on his resume. So if the Buccaneers make the playoffs, I definitely believe they are Super Bowl contenders considering the competition at quarterback they're going to be going up against. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to talk about the Titans lost to the Chiefs. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wise Guys. Wise Guys. Wise Guys. Wise Guys. Wise Guys. Wise guys. Tracy Locus. Chris Mitchell, uh, Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guy. These guys know sports. Wise guy. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. These guys know sports. These guys know Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Before we transition to the Titans Chiefs recap, I want to talk about the Buccaneers and their remaining schedule as they sit at four and five on the season, first in the NFC South. Now, in the NFC South, we know the Atlanta Falcons, they're not legit. Super Bowl contenders, they're barely playoff contenders. They're having a decent season, but they're not they're not legit threats to the Buccaneers. The New Orleans Saints, they lost last night to the Baltimore Ravens. Jameis Winston is still out. Michael Thomas is done for the season. They got a lot of issues in New Orleans. I don't think they're a playoff team. I was wrong about the Saints because I had the Saints as a playoff team coming into the season, but they have underachieved this season because of their injuries on their team, and the Panthers are tanking. The Panthers are trying to lose as many games as possible so they can get a high draft pick to draft either C.J. Strout or Bryce Young. That's why I kept telling Bengal fans their dominant performance over the Panthers doesn't mean much. They did beat the Panthers, and they blew out the Panthers Sunday at Pekar Stadium, but it doesn't mean much because the Panthers are tanking. They're trying to lose games. But when it comes to the Buccaneers, they're four and five. Here's their remaining schedule. And this is ESPN analytics chance to win these games. So Sunday, they are home against the Seahawks, but that game was in Germany that they have an 83% chance of winning that game. According to ESPN's analytics, then they have a bye week in week 11. And in week 12, they are at Cleveland, 46% chance to win. Then December 5th, they are home against the Saints, 59% chance to win. Then they go to San Francisco, 34% chance to win that game. Home against the Bengals, December 18th, 48% chance to win that game. They are at Arizona on Christmas. They have a 50% chance to win that game. That's surprisingly low, considering the Cardinals' struggles. And then they are on the 1st, January 1st, New Year's, 
They are home against the Panthers, 77% chance to win that game. And then their season finale, week 17, is at Atlanta. They have a 52% chance to win that game. So I believe at four and five right now, nine games into the season, I think the, the Buccaneers could possibly finish 10 and seven, maybe nine and eight. And I, and I think that could get you into the playoffs, especially in the NFC South. So I, I definitely believe they're contenders considering the quarterbacks that the Buccaneers are going to face. I love their defense. They got Vita Vea up front. They got Hicks up front as well. At linebacker, you got Devin White. You got Levante David. And your secondary, you got Dean. You got Winfield. You got Mike Edwards. So the, the Buccaneers, I believe they still have a talented football team. If they can get their offense going, they could definitely be a playoff team in the NFC. But their biggest issue is, is running the football. I mean, you look at them in, in their rush yards per game, they average 60 Point seven rushing yards per game. That's one of the worst rushing statistics in the last five years. Look at these statistics and rushing yards per game. The 2018, the Arizona Cardinals, they had 83.9 rushing yards per game. They finished 3-13. and 13. 2019, the Dolphins, they had 72.3 rushing yards per game. They finished 5-11. and 11. 2020, Pittsburgh Steelers, they had 84.4 rush yards per game. They finished 12-4. and four. That team started off the season undefeated. And we remember what happened to them in the postseason. They got blown out by the Cleveland Browns. Last year, the Houston Texans, they had 83.6 rushing yards per game. They were 4-13. So usually teams that are bottom half, and rushing yards on offense, they're usually bad football teams. But the Buccaneers right now, four and five, they still got a puncher's chance to make some noise in the NFC. Let's transition to in 2019 AFC Championship rematch between the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs beat the Titans 20 to 17 in overtime for the Titans Malik Willis he went 5 of 16 he threw for 80 yards Derrick Henry had a great performance he had 17 carries 117 rushing yards two touchdowns for the Chiefs Patrick Mahomes had 446 passing yards 43 of 68 passing he had one Passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, and for the Chiefs, their best weapon, Travis Kelsey, 10 receptions, 106 receiving yards. So my biggest takeaway from this game is Patrick Mahomes is the current NFL MVP. And I believe that Patrick Mahomes put on an MVP performance in this football game. In this game, the Chiefs had nothing but Patrick Mahomes to rely on. You look at the rushing yards in this game. The Chiefs had 77 rushing yards in this game. Patrick Mahomes had 63 of those 77 rushing yards. Not only that, he had 68 pass attempts. 
the entire offense was ran through Patrick Mahomes. And there was a question on first take Monday, and they asked, they said, are the Kansas City Chiefs, are they putting too much on the shoulders of Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. Because Patrick Mahomes, he already won an NFL MVP. He's already won an NFL Super Bowl. He has a Super Bowl MVP on his resume. He has two Super Bowl appearances on his resume. This season, he's leading the MVP race. The man got 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, 2,605 passing yards. He's completing 66% of his passes. And in this game, the Tennessee Titans did everything they possibly could to take away Patrick Mahomes' ability to throw the football down the field, and he still had over 400 passing yards in this game. And in totality for the game, he had over 500 yards for the game. He had 509 combined yards, 446 passing yards, 63 rushing yards for the Kansas City Chiefs. If there was an argument or a debate about who's the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes has elevated himself to be in a class of his own. Please stop comparing Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Please stop comparing them to Patrick Mahomes. And I love those young quarterbacks. I love Herbert. I love Allen. I love Burrow. I love Lamar Jackson. But please stop comparing them to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is on another level. He's on another level, and I believe he's already a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's some quarterbacks that are Hall of Famers. I would take Patrick Mahomes over right now. Right now, today, there are certain quarterbacks I would take Patrick Mahomes over that's Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Brett Favre, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes over Brett Favre. Brett Favre threw 336 interceptions for his career. I know Brett Favre won three MVPs, I believe. He had two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl on his resume. But Patrick Mahomes is better than Brett Favre. He's better. Drew Brees. I love Drew Brees. Drew Brees broke a lot of records in New Orleans, but Drew Brees never won an NFL MVP. Drew Brees is an all-time great, but he never won an NFL MVP. Patrick Mahomes is better than Drew Brees. He's definitely more talented than Drew Brees is. So, hasn't done enough yet. Hey, I'm talking about the trajectory. The trajectory that Patrick Mahomes is on. He is already better than certain quarterbacks who are in the Hall of Fame to me. The only quarterbacks I feel like you can say that are like definitive better than Patrick Mahomes right now, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning. Those are the only quarterbacks I can say right now are better than Patrick Mahomes. That's how that that's how great Patrick Mahomes is. So No, I don't believe the Chiefs are putting too much on his shoulders. I believe Patrick Mahomes is more than capable at being able to perform at a high level and deliver for the Kansas City Chiefs. 68 pass attempts. He was the entire offense. The entire offense. Now, you look at 
what the Tennessee Titans were able to do. They had 172 rushing yards in this game. Now, for the Titans, the biggest issue for them, they don't have a reliable weapon at receiver who they can depend on. You look at the receivers, they got Robert Woods. They got Nick Westbrook. They got Cody Hollister. The Tennessee Titans, when they traded away A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles, they traded their true number one receiver. I thought it was a mistake. I said they should have tried to figure out a way to keep A.J. Brown in Tennessee because if you got A.J. Brown who can win one-on-one matchups, you can't bring nine, ten players in the box because you have to keep someone on the perimeter to deal with A.J. Brown. Now, teams are able to load up against Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry is still going to be effective. In this game, Derrick Henry had 17 carries, 115 rushing yards, two touchdowns. He averaged over six and a half yards per carry. But if you had A.J. Brown, it helps you in the passing game. Willis only had five completions for the game. None of his completions were passes completed to receivers. None of them. So that's the biggest issue for the Tennessee Titans. They have no trustworthy skill position players. And I think it's going to come back to haunt them as the season goes along. I thought defensively, the Titans did the best they possibly could considering they're going against Patrick Mahomes. We know Mike Vrabel preaches defense. He's a great, young NFL coach. But I thought defensively, they did everything they possibly could. And the Chiefs still had 499 total yards of offense. But I thought the, the, the Titans controlled the tempo of the game. And I thought they played the game according to their speed. I thought they did a great job setting the tempo. I mean, you look at the, in the first half, the Titans, they outscored the Chiefs 14 to nine. It was 14 to nine at half. So I thought, okay, the Titans are in a position here where they possibly could win this game if they continue to control the tempo in the second half. And until the fourth quarter, they did that. Mahomes' magic happened in the fourth quarter. But the, the Titans at five and three, I believe they are a, a, a contender to win the AFC South. I don't believe they are Super Bowl contenders. Now, if Ryan Tannehill played in this game, it's a possibility they might have been able to win this game. But with Malik Willis and his inability to throw the ball from the pocket accurately, I think that's what cost them in this football game. You got over 100 yards from Derrick Henry. And you control the tempo of the game the first three and a half quarters. But you need a quarterback to deliver the football down the field at key moments in games if you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. And they didn't have it. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And remember to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to do my Wise or Lies segment of the day. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wise guys. Wise guys. Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. Uh, Tracy Larkins. Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. 
Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this beautiful Tuesday, November the 8th. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys. Toss on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Remember, go and vote for the Wise Guys poll question of the day. And the question of the day is, do you have any issues with the Colts? Hiring of Jeff Saturday. Go and vote yes or vote no on the Wise Guys Twitter page. Let's transition to my Wise or Lies segment of the day. After the Golden State Warriors failed to win a single game during their six-game road trip, veteran guard Clay Thompson said the team needs to play harder. Quote, we just need to bring more of a sense of urgency. Thompson said, according to ESPN's Kendra Andrews, we had a long run last year, but 2022 is over. It's time to kick into high gear and play that championship level of basketball that we're used to. I fully expect us to do that. Keep in mind, the Warriors did beat the Sacramento Kings last night, and they snapped that losing streak. So is it wiser last to say the Warriors should be concerned with their rough start? That is a lie. This is the Golden State Warriors that we're talking about. A team that is a dynasty that won four championships in eight seasons. They got one of the greatest shooting backcourts in NBA history in Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They got a 3 and D guy in Draymond Green who can do everything on the floor. They got young players like Jordan Poole, like Kaminga like Wiseman on their basketball team, like Andrew Wiggins. This is a complete basketball team that are NBA championship contenders, and they are going to defend their crown this season. So I think it's a lie to say the Warriors should be concerned with their rough start. They'll get it together. By the time the weather breaks and it's warm again outside around March, around March Madness, I guarantee you the Warriors will have it figured out and they'll be at the top of the Western Conference standings. Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams voiced his frustration Sunday after his team suffered a disappointing loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars that dropped the Las Vegas Raiders to two and six on a season. This is Devontae Adams quote. There's no reason why we should be losing games like this, and it's frustrating, according to ESPN's Paul Gutierrez. Quote, if we played for a shitty team, then it's one thing, but that's not what it is. This is fresh off a 24-0 loss to the New Orleans Saints. The Raiders built a 17.0 lead over the Jaguars, but weren't able to hold on to it, ultimately suffering a 27-20 defeat. It was the Las Vegas Raiders' third loss this year after holding a lead of at least 17 points. So is it wise or lies to say that the Raiders should tank? I believe that is wise. This Raiders team isn't very good. They, isn't, they aren't very good. 
They were up 17-0 over the Jacksonville Jaguars and got outscored 27-3 to the rest of that football game. I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. They are a terrible defensive football team. You look at their statistics defensively. They are ranked 24th in the NFL. They give up 380 total yards per game. They give up 255 passing yards per game. That's ranked 26th in the NFL. They give up 25 points per game. That's ranked 27th in the NFL. And they only get off the field 48% of the time on third down. That's ranked 30th in the NFL. The Raiders defensively are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Their offense is not very good from a rush, running the football perspective. Josh Jacobs is a decent running back, but they don't really get him to football very much. So they got weapons in Devontae Adams, in Darren Waller, in Hunter Renfro, but they're not a good football team right now. And I got my questions about Josh McDaniel. This is the second time we've seen Josh McDaniel not be able to coach a team at the highest level and get a lot of men that's on that football team to elevate their games to want to play for him. It didn't happen in Denver for Josh McDaniels, and it's not happening in Las Vegas. When you're a head coach, you got to be a leader of men. These are grown men who have mortgages, kids who they have to put through college. They got to make their money, and they want to get their bonuses, get their raises. But this Raiders team is not very good right now. They're not very good. Lamar Jackson passed for a touchdown and frustrated the New Orleans Saints last night with his mobility, rushing for 82 yards and exhibiting an array of jump cuts and spin moves while, while helping the Baltimore Ravens win their third straight game, remaining at the top of the AFC North standings. They are one game ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals. Kenyon Drake. He rushed for 93 yards and two touchdowns. Justin Houston had an interception to go with his third straight multiple sack game. And the Ravens beat the Saints 27-13 to on Monday Night Football. So is it wise or lies to say the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders in the AFC? That is wise. The Ravens are Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. And I believe they should be in the conversation with the Chiefs and with the Bills. If the Bills get home field advantage in the AFC, I believe a team like the Baltimore Ravens can beat the Bills in Buffalo because of their rushing attack with Lamar Jackson, with Kenyon Drake, and they're going to get J.K. Dobbins back as well at some point. So I believe the Ravens are contenders not only in the AFC, but in the NFL. Overall, they have a tremendous rushing attack with Lamar Jackson. And the one thing is going to be key for them is if Lamar Jackson can improve as a pocket passer. That's the only questions we have about Lamar Jackson. We know he's athletic. We know he won NFL MVP a few years ago. He won his first playoff game as well over the Tennessee Titans a few years ago. But can he be a consistent pocket passer because in the playoffs you can't rely on Lamar Jackson to make plays with his legs he's going to have to make plays with his arm so that's my questions about the Ravens but I do believe they are contenders 
in the AFC. Let's transition to some NBA and let's talk about the LA Clippers as the LA Clippers, they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers last night, 119 to 117. So they improved to six and five on the season. They are currently seventh in the Western Conference standings. Kawhi Leonard, he was out in this game again. Ty Lue says the team is being cautious with Kawhi Leonard. So when I look at the L.A. Clippers and whether or not they are championship contenders in the Western Conference, I don't know if the Clippers are contenders because of Kawhi Leonard's inability to stay on the floor. Durability has been a question for Kawhi Leonard. I know Kawhi Leonard is a two-time NBA champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP, five-time NBA All-Star, three-time All-NBA first-team player. He won two NBA Defensive Player of the Year awards in 2015, in 2016. And for his career, he's averaged 19 points per game on 49% shooting from the floor. He is one of the best two-way players in NBA history. He has a great mid-range game, but he also can attack the rim with his athleticism. He can hit perimeter shots as well. We know how great Kawhi Leonard is as a player, but the biggest issue with Kawhi Leonard is staying on the floor. You look at his injury history since he left San Antonio. In 2018, the year where the Toronto Raptors won their championship, he missed 22 of 82 games that season. 2019, he misses 15 of 72 games. 2020, he misses 20 games of 72. And then last year, obviously, with his ACL injury, he missed the entire season. He's never played 80 games in the regular season. And the closest he's came to playing a full season was his rookie season back in 2011 when he played 64 of 66 games. Kawhi Leonard's durability is an issue for the L.A. Clippers. And I believe his injuries are the reason why the L.A. Clippers might not make the Western Conference Finals. Coming into the season, I had the L.A. Clippers in the Western Conference Finals against the Golden State Warriors. I believe the team that they have in place with Paul George, one of the best defensive players in the NBA, a great two-way player. You got Reggie Jackson, a closer. We seen in the Western Conference Finals two years ago, Western Reggie Jackson put on a great performance for the L.A. Clippers. Ty Lue is one of the best coaches in the NBA. They signed John Wall in free agency. He's trying to revitalize his career. They got Zubats on their front line. They got Terrence Mann as well. So I believe the Clippers, top to bottom, have one of the best teams in the NBA. But the problem for the L.A. Clippers is their best player being available. And we know best ability is availability. And 
these other stars in the NBA and in NBA history, what made Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, LeBron James, what made them great players wasn't only their statistics and their talent. It was the fact that they showed up night in and night out and they performed at a high level. The one thing you have to do in life, you have to show up. Whether it's a job, whether it's for your children, you have to show up in life. Now, what happens from there is depending on the outcome and depends on how you could conduct yourself. But your performance as a player is second. The first thing you got to do is show up. And those players that I just mentioned always showed up. LeBron James, over the last two years, just started having injury issues. Before that, we didn't hear anything about LeBron James missing games. He never missed games in his prime. LeBron James always gave the paying customer their money's worth. As a fan of the NBA, if I look at the schedule and I see the Clippers are in town and I buy tickets for me and my son to go to the game, I'm going to be disappointed if Kawhi Leonard doesn't play because of low management. You get paid to play basketball, bro. You get paid to play basketball. It ain't hard. It's not hard. This ain't football where you're dealing with a bunch of nagging injuries. This is the NBA where they treat their stars like gods. So, again, my biggest issue with the Clippers is if Kawhi Leonard, if he's going to be available when they need him the most, because he hasn't been available in the first 11 games of the season. And I believe in order for the Clippers to be true championship contenders, they need their best player in Kawhi Leonard. Kevin Durant shows up every night. LeBron James shows up every night. Steph Curry shows up every night. It's time for Kawhi Leonard to show up for the LA Clippers and their owner, Steve Ballmer. He gave Kawhi Leonard a lot of money. He trusted Kawhi Leonard to lead this LA Clippers franchise, but if he's not on the floor, they're not contenders in the Western Conference, and they're going to struggle to make the postseason. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wise Guys. Wise Guys. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. These guys know sports. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. Let's transition to Indianapolis and talk about the Indianapolis Colts firing. Former head coach Frank Wright. Frank Wright, he went 40, 33, and 1 since the 2018 season. He had playoff appearances in 2018 and 2020. He had one playoff win. 
He had seven different starting quarterbacks. He was one and two in the playoffs. So my immediate reaction to the Colts firing Frank Wright was Frank Wright, he didn't get it done. We got to call it what it is because Jim Ursay, he's the owner for the Indianapolis Colts. He didn't fire general manager Chris Ballard. He kept him on board as the GM in Indianapolis. He fired Frank Wright because Frank Wright made a promise to that Colts organization that he could revitalize these veteran quarterbacks' careers who have recently came to Indianapolis to play quarterback. It started with Phillip Rivers in 2020. Phillip Rivers, he led the Colts to the playoffs that year, but they lost on wild card weekend. I believe it was to the Buffalo Bills. Rivers retires, and then they transition to Carson Wentz. Now, I said the Colts trading for Carson Wentz was a bad move. I don't believe in Carson Wentz. As a quarterback, you can build your franchise around. The only great season that Carson Wentz ever had was that 2017 season where he was an MVP candidate and almost led the Eagles to the number one seed in the NFC. But he got injured, and Nick Foles went on to win the Super Bowl in Philadelphia. And honestly, Carson Wentz, he wasn't the same ever since Nick Foles won the Super Bowl in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz's career hasn't been the same. So I didn't like the move of going to get Carson Wentz. Frank Wright had history with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. So they had a relationship before they traded for Carson Wentz. I understand that part. I don't understand the production from Carson Wentz if you're trying to trade for him. I don't think that he had the production of a quarterback that you want to make a trade for when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. But I understand the relationship that Carson Wentz had with Frank Wright. But that didn't work out. That was last year. And then this season, they bring in Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan was terrible as quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts during his short tenure in Indianapolis. You look at his numbers, Matt Ryan. This year, he had nine touchdowns, nine interceptions, 2,008 passing yards. He completed 68% of his passes. But he had nine interceptions. And I was watching games where Matt Ryan was underthrowing receivers. He can't move anymore in the pocket. It's time for Matt Ryan to retire and hang him up. I love Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan won an NFL MVP. He has a Super Bowl appearance on his resume. I believe Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. I don't believe he's great. I believe he's good. But it's time for Matt Ryan to retire. But Frank Wright couldn't make it work with Matt Ryan. So I, I, I know Frank Wright knows his football. He's forgotten more football than I know. But he hasn't gotten the job done in Indianapolis since he's been the head coach. And he's had seven quarterbacks that he's worked with. But this is not just a Frank Wright problem. This is a problem with the Indianapolis Colts organization, starting with the owner and Jim Ursay. General manager Chris Ballard as well 
he deserves some of this blame as well. Stop going and getting these old, washed-up veteran quarterbacks. It started with Phillip Rivers in 2020. Then you went to Carson Wentz, who is also washed up. Now, this year, you trade for Matt Ryan. He was awful. That didn't work. Go and get a quarterback in the draft and develop that quarterback to be your franchise quarterback moving forward. Quit being lazy and trying to get rich quick and be this contender that is a Super Bowl contender because you inserted a veteran quarterback. The Indianapolis coach, you know who they remind me of? They remind me of that individual, male or female, who is in relationship after relationship after relationship. And at some point, if you're a friend, if you're a family member, you're like, hey, chill out for a minute. Work on you. Work on yourself. Start over. That's the Indianapolis Colts. They need to start from scratch and try and draft a quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft this year. They're going to be available. C.J. Strout will be available. Bryce Young will be available. They're already terrible this year. You look at the, the Colts' record for the season, they're 3-5-1. and one. So they're not a playoff team. Uh, you look at the uh, other teams in the, in the AFC that I'm taking over the Colts to be a playoff team. They're not a contender at all. They got this kid now, start, now starting, Sam Ellinger. He's not very good. He looks lost on the field. He went 15 of 29, 103 passing yards, one interception, quarterback rating of 45.6 against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I can't even blame Ellinger. It's the position that he's been put in by the Colts organization. And the Colts had the nerve to say, Ellinger's going to be our starting quarterback the remainder of the season. Why? Why? You might as well put Nick Foles in. You might as well put Nick Foles in. At least Nick Foles is a quarterback that players in that organization can respect at the quarterback position. What are you getting out of Ellinger? He's not very good. So, again, I know Frank Wright got fired, and he deserves some responsibility of the coach struggles in the first nine games of the season, but this is an organizational problem that the Colts have right now. This is an organizational problem. Quit being lazy, Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay, and go and develop one of these young quarterbacks you can get in the draft. Stop being lazy, please. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. I'm sure to follow the wise guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. Let's transition to what else happened with the Colts this week. They hired Jeff Saturday as their interim head coach. And Jeff Saturday, he was in the NFL for 14 seasons. He had 13 seasons with the Colts. He won a Super Bowl, six-time Pro Bowl center, served as a consultant for the Colts, also in the team's ring of honor three seasons as head coach at Hebron Christian Academy High School, and he's been an NFL analyst at ESPN 2013 until now 
I really like Jeff, Jeff Saturday, and I love the job that he did at ESPN as an analyst. I love seeing him on first take with Stephen A., with Molly, and I love his expertise as a football mind. This is one of the best centers I've seen play in the NFL. He played in Green Bay as well with Aaron Rodgers, and I thought he was a tremendous leader in that locker room. He's a great man off the field as well. And what I'm about to say is not a knock on Jeff Saturday. I like Jeff Saturday a lot. And I believe that he knows his football for sure. I, I, when it comes to ESPN analysts, Jeff Saturday was one of the analysts that I had the most respect for. Like Keyshawn, like Marcus Spears like my man Ryan Clark as well, but Jeff Saturday knows his football. But Jeff Saturday was not qualified for this job. Jeff Saturday, his highest coaching experience was in high school. There are other members on that coach coaching staff that deserved an opportunity over Jim or Jeff Saturday, for whatever reason, Jim Ursay decides to give Jeff Saturday this job, and he has zero coaching experience in the NFL. There are other members on the coach coaching staff who has experience coaching in the NFL. Reggie Wayne. Gus Bradley, John Fox, and you decide to hire Jeff Saturday because Jeff Saturday has a relationship with Jim Ursay. And then in his press conference, when they introduced Saturday as the interim coach, Ursay said, I'm glad he doesn't have coaching experience. What? That makes no sense. Ursay, what are you talking about? You want your interim coach to have coaching experience because this could possibly be your coach next season and for future seasons to come. But Jeff Saturday has no experience. So it's going to be an adjustment for Jeff Saturday. This ain't him working at ESPN as an analyst. He's going to have to not only develop a relationship with the players on that coach team, but he has to develop a relationship with the coaching staff. And also, he has to understand that he's a head coach of an NFL team now. He has to be an overseer of grown men. So I don't like the fact that Jim Ursay hired Jeff Saturday with zero coaching experience. And this is something that white coaches should also feel some type of way about. There are a lot of coaches in the NFL, white and black, who deserve an opportunity to be an interim head coach in the NFL. And Jeff Saturday, because he has a great relationship with Jim Ursay, just completely elevated himself to a head coaching position. Again, I like Jeff Saturday. I know he knows his football. 
But honestly, I don't even like Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis because it's a mess. It's a mess right now in Indianapolis with the Indianapolis Colts. I would have rather Jeff Saturday get an opportunity with another team that actually had a franchise quarterback and had an owner that knew how to go out and draft a quarterback and develop him for their franchise. I know Jeff Saturday knows his football, but he didn't deserve this job. He was not qualified to be an interim head coach in the National Football League. It ain't no knock towards him. This is a great opportunity for him to help the Colts get back on track. I don't even believe the Colts organization wants Saturday to be the long-term answer at head coach. I believe this was a move to help the Colts get back on track, and then they're going to go out and hire their future head coach. But I don't even like this situation for Jeff Saturday. They're not going to win any games. They're not going to win any games. You look at their offense this year. They averaged 315 yards per game. That's ranked 27th in the NFL. They averaged 4.8 yards per play. That's ranked 30th in the NFL. They averaged 3.7 yards per rush. That's ranked 30th in the NFL. And their red zone touchdown percentage is 44%. That's ranked 31st in the NFL. This offense is terrible. And I don't believe Jeff Saturday, with seven games left, is going to be able to overcome the struggles of this Indianapolis Colts offense. I, I just can't see it. So they didn't even put him in a position to be, to be successful. That offensive line is terrible. They gave up nine sacks to the New England Patriots defense Sunday. Nine sacks. I know Ellinger wasn't great. But he literally had no chance. He got the man got sacked nine times in this game. Nine sacks. That offensive line has been awful this year for the Indianapolis Colts. So this franchise hasn't been the same since Andrew Luck retired in 2019. They haven't been the same. And they've been searching for a quarterback the caliber of Andrew Luck. Stop trying to take the easy way out if you're the Colts. Go out draft a young quarterback and develop him in your organization. Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan are not the answers. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys. No sports. I'm going to be back on Thursday on the Worldwide Sports Network. I'm going to preview week 10 in the NFL and give my week 10 wise picks. Everybody enjoy your night. Wise guys. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. Wise guys. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.